Affairs uh, come to order. It is about a minute after nine o'clock. Uh, we have members present. Uh, Senator Willikowski, Vice Chair Coghill. If we have any vice, he'll be right on it. <laughs> and uh, myself, Stoltz. Uh, Senator Huggins is still away on state business, and uh, Senator McGuire's office call. She'll be absent today as well. Um, so this this is uh, we're at sixty percent, but still pretty strong. We have a quorum. Uh, we have uh, a series of uh, our uh, ministerial duties uh, reviewing governor's appointees. We have all of them are on phone, other than the uh, commissioner who is here on person. He's a little bit intimidated. I see he brought his muscle, Mr. Henderson. That uh, uh, this was going to be a very friendly review, hopefully, and, uh, and, DPS. <laughs> and DPS as well. Gotcha. <laughs> so, Commissioner, what? Join us and uh, introduce yourself and uh, talk about uh, your hopes and aspirations for this critical department, uh, its constitutional mission, and and uh, let us and other Alaskans know why uh, Governor Walker, uh, you believe, made a good choice in uh, elevating you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. For the record, my name is Ron Taylor, and I'm the uh, commissioner designee for the Department of Corrections. We'll call you Commissioner Designee. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Chair, um, this is an incredible and unique opportunity to serve uh, the people of the state of Alaska at this particular time, especially going through budget reductions and looking at ways that we can improve the overall effectiveness and efficiency of our Department of Corrections. For the past several years we've been working very hard with legislators and um, the criminal justice community overall to actually reduce recidivism and look for ways to make improvements into our system. It's obviously the budget is going to be somewhat of a challenge in helping us <coughs> to maintain that direction, but I believe that it's a great direction for the department to be working in in terms of recidivism reduction because the more that we make people successful in the community and keep them in the community, the easier our jobs become where we're not locking up so many people. That really should be productive citizens for the state of Alaska. And I really believe that to, to the core of my being in terms of um, ensuring that the department is doing everything possible to help people be successful when they enter into our system. Because we've seen failure for a lot of years and now that we're starting to see some success and a change in, in that overall direction, I think that that's important to continue going in that direction. You, uh, why don't you give us some of your philosophy? I don't ever look at just one component of, uh, of our administration of justice. Tell us uh, what your vision is, how these the other agencies that are administering justice all the way from, from tagging and bagging all the way to reformation. Well, actually, uh, it is the reentry management. That's that's the the whole vision of what we should be about. We should be working toward ensuring that once they come inside the doors, we're doing everything to keep them out. We were in that uh, enforcement mentality, and we had that for a long period of time, and we saw where that got us, which is high recidivism rates and um, quite a bit of failure, to be honest with you. Lack of programming was another uh, big obstacle that we had inside the institutions. We now have one of the most comprehensive programming sets in the nation, according to our performance review that was done uh, as a legislative 
audit review. And um, for us, that is a critical component in moving us into toward the reentry system that we've moved toward. Any questions for the commissioner? Sure. First of all, thank you for uh, taking a position, and I appreciate Thanks. it. And I've worked with you, and uh, and the recidivism has been one of the areas where I have focused. Uh, the uh, prison population is kind of an interesting population, uh, and. Uh, and I appreciate the programs, and I'll work with you everywhere I can to make sure that reentry is uh, one of the top priorities. One of the other issues that we have, and maybe you could speak to it, is we are uh, not only keeping those who are bad actors and trying to hold them accountable, but we also have those who have been charged in the pretrial situation. That's a huge population movement problem, and. Uh, that has been a sticking point for good programs and, uh, uh, you know, kind of that, that steady uh, hand. How, how are we doing on that? Uh, you probably know more than I do, and it's a, it's a lingering question in my mind, how we do that. And, and I think it has a, an interesting probation uh, parole issue, too, because the population movement is kind of yanked pretty hard by the, the the reentry problem. So, can you describe how you see that and where we might go better with it? Through the chair of Senator Cogill, um, 40 percent of our population now is unsentenced, which is a pretty substantial unsentenced population in our system. And you're right, that causes major problems with movement as well as getting them invested or involved in programming when we don't know at what point they will, they will be discharged or sentenced. Um, for us, I think part of the things that we're working on is with our other criminal justice partners to, um, to see if those persons on a pre-sentence status actually need to be in custody or can we be um, placing them in some other, other community placement such as electronic monitoring or at a halfway house right now. Those are some of the things that we're exploring. Um, we want to make sure that all the beds that we have left in terms of hard bed or institutional beds are actually reserved for those persons who really need to be in, in a prison setting. Those that don't need to be in a prison setting, we need to do everything we can to um, transition them out into the community. So programming, I think what you're going to see as part of the department moving forward is looking at our halfway houses and establishing some programming there in the halfway houses so that um, those persons who may be unsentenced or may be um, minimal um, risk to the public, they're actually getting the programming needs met through the halfway houses that we're not doing at this particular point, but in the near future we will be. Uh, Mr. Chairman, maybe a couple of questions. One of them is, uh, do we get uh, the, do we have the opportunity uh, to do risk assessments on the pretrial population? Through the chair to um, Senator Conkill, no, we have not been doing that. But that's something that we certainly will be looking at as part of our um, our shift to programming in, in the halfway houses. Does that, uh, Mr. Chairman, does that uh, come from uh, recommendations by the court? Through the through the chair to uh, Senator Conkill, uh, it will be either that or it'll be part of uh, um, our our staff that would do those um, recommendations. And then uh, just for me, uh, the, the halfway houses uh, seem to, in Fairings especially, have been much more porous. And, uh, and I know 
their contracts. But uh, uh, if I get complaints about the correction system, it's usually from the halfway house issue. How do you see that, and is there ways we can do that better? To the chair, Senator Coghill, absolutely there are ways that we can improve in terms of halfway houses, and especially at uh, in Fairbanks. That one, we need to make sure we're putting the right people into the halfway houses, and then two, we need to uh, improve on the way that we provide quality assurance to the halfway houses, and so we're going to be looking at that. Also working with uh, DPS in terms of looking at their um, service dogs that they are going to uh, retire or transfer. We'll pick up a couple of those dogs so that we can uh, help utilize their services uh, through our system, throughout our system. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would just add, I guess, uh, Senator Cockhill, I guess by, nat it's, uh, by nature the halfway houses are porous because people are walking in and out of there to work during the daytime and it's a transitional release and I just want to give the public an expectation that there's supposed to be a replication of a, of a prison cell. Yeah, part of the porousness, though, is the drugs that go in and out. Sure. That's uh, you know, Senator Wilikowski. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, appreciate all, all the work you've done over the years. I've always enjoyed, um, found, found that you have always added a lot to our debates in um, Judiciary Committee. Thanks, uh, So I look forward to you being successful in this position. but. Um, could you talk a little bit about the, the rationale for, um, and I guess there may be some changes afoot, but talk a little bit about the rationale for um, closing down some of the community jails and, and maybe what, what some of the al other alternatives you looked at? Through the you chair can point at OMB if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Through the chair to uh, Senator Wilikowski, um, we, we were not advocating closing down the community. Sorry, jails. you're right. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me on that. So um, in terms of terminating the contracts with the community jails, yes. And did we look at everything? We, yes, we did. We looked at um, the impact of that type of a reduction throughout our system. Um, we'd have to close a couple of facilities. And to take two institutions offline would take us more than just from now to uh, July 1st to be able to do that. It would take some time to go through all the different processes that we would have to do in terms of an RFP to start to transfer people out, looking at their uh, medical needs, their um, programmatic needs, also working with uh, our institutional PLs to reclassify those that are going out as well as ensuring that once they are in their new are moving toward their new facility that they would be acceptable in that community and then working on property and mail issues those are all the other things that we would have to do that's going to take time and transportation obviously that's a big piece of what we would have to do for that and so um, what you see as part of the institutional population is a ramping down of the minimum in Palmer to at least close the minimum camp at Palmer <coughs> and then use those minimums into the halfway house vacancies that we have right now and to be able to reshift our entire population uh, to ensure that the minimums are getting uh, community placement as much as possible. There are some that obviously we're not going to be able to put in, co in the community placement, but as many of those that we can put in the community and not become the barriers ourselves, we need to do that. Um, Programming, we could have looked at programming and we just built a 
a huge component in terms of programming and to start rolling that back would have uh, a detrimental impact on the recidivism rates that we're looking at and the same with probation and parole. You know, one of the things that the performance review pointed out for us was that the, um, the staffing across the board at the Department of Correction is minimal. So it's not just inside the institutions, it's all of our administrative capacity, probation and parole, medical, all of that. And so we had to take that into consideration that when we're making those reductions, we're literally going to cut units, <coughs> not just take 5% here and 5% there from each of the components, but we're really talking about, at that point, uh, cutting out entire units. Commissioner, I think the question I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, it's one of the, been one of the largest issues with corrections. It, it has been morale and the whole chain of command and leadership. Uh, what are you going to do differently? And, and, and Joe Schmidt and his family are friends of mine, but, it's, but this is business and this is how we're, we're dealing with the, um, with the line officers and, and the fact that we, 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 there have been manifestations of uh, of uh, mistrust and uh, expressions very public. Um, how do you fix that? And what steps have you already taken? I, I think the biggest part that we need to do is make sure that we're communicating and making sure that people understand what the administration is about. And we've reached out um, to our employees to give them an access to the commissioner's office and access to ways that we can make improvements in the department. And um, we'll continue to, to be willing to work with um, any of our employee groups to, to improve morale where we can. But you do recognize there's been a problem. Well, Where, where's that rate on your uh, that is uh, That is like one of the top things that I came in focused on, making sure that we start addressing those issues right away. I, I wish you luck, and as I think we have uh, the volatility of, uh, of the situation with uh, uh, officer safety is an incredible concern of mine, and, uh, and, uh, and, and just being uh, treated. Uh, we, we do have court mandates how we treat the, uh, the incarcerated folks. Um, we don't need a mandate. I think that can come from the top of how we treat and respect uh, the men and women on the, on the front lines behind that razor ribbon and concrete. So I, you and I have talked in the past, and I, 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 I appreciate some of the steps you've already taken, and the, the real tale will be told on, uh, on the reaction we get from our officers as a Often the, the issues, I know there are pay issues, things we deal with, but the number one issue that I've, I've personally dealt with in corrections has been the morale, the uh, just the general respect and treatment, and, and knowing that folks uh, that are in charge of, their, uh, of uh, how um, they're deployed in very dangerous situations treat and respect them. So I, and I... Uh, We'll continue to work with this. It does. It didn't happen overnight that things devolved. It's uh, not going to happen overnight that everything's repaired. But I sure sense good faith, and I appreciate that, Commissioner. Thank you, sir. Any other questions for Commissioner Taylor? Well, next time, uh, well, we'll see you working on your administration justice issues. But I guess our next official action will be in a joint session later. And and I, I tell you right now, I would have no problem confirming you. But nobody here will be required to make a commitment. Uh, we're just forwarding these to the floor. Uh, uh, 
certainly if uh, you're challenged, I'll be happy to speak up for you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, Mr. Chair. We'll just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, while we're uh, um, going on to the next witness, we'll, we'll uh, pass out the for, uh, form so we can keep our cadence. And thank you very much, Commissioner. Thank you, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. <coughs> oh, we'll take a brief at ease. Back to order after a brief recess. Uh, next person we have uh, uh, that's online right now is uh, Dennis Cook, uh, one of the Justice uh, Supreme Court's Justice Fabes appointees to the uh, Select Committee on Legislative Ethics. Are you here, uh, Mr. Cook? Online, I mean. Uh, yes, I'm here. Why don't uh, you go to introduce yourself for the record and uh, tell us what motivates you to be involved in uh, regulating ethical behavior? and why you want to do it some more. Um, well, I'm Skip Cook. I was born and raised in Fairbanks. Uh, I'm a currently retired attorney after 43 years of, of law practice. Um, my first introduction to state government was actually back shortly after I was out of college. I uh, uh, was appointed to uh, run the election in Fairbanks in the summer of 1963 <clears throat> for uh, the mandatory borough, uh, which wasn't very popular in Fairbanks, but uh, uh, anyway, I ran that election and then later was hired to come down to work in a local affairs agency, uh, uh, which was at that point just organizing boroughs and municipalities and rewriting the municipal code. That was in the early 60s, and then <coughs> I went back <coughs> to Fairbanks and, and uh, was the manager of the Centennial Exposition up there in, in 1967. Uh, and then when the flood struck and the exposition was over, I went out to law school and then came back to Fairbanks and practiced until 19, or 2013. I've been on the Ethics Committee since, uh, since 1998. <clears throat> uh, I've enjoyed the work. It's uh, challenging. We have uh, uh, several functions. One of the, the ones we which is one of our more favorite, is training uh, to try to avoid uh, people uh, tripping over the Ethics Act, so to speak. Uh, so that that uh, is the more enjoyable part. Uh, we do deal with, with advisory opinions uh, to help uh, uh, people understand and, uh, the Act and, and avoid violation. And then we uh, deal with complaints, uh, uh, which is the more adjudicatory function of the committee. Uh, it's uh, been a challenge. I've enjoyed working with uh, with uh, people on the committee and with the legislators uh, over the years. And we're in a position now where we're, we're in transition in the committee because uh, uh, <coughs> our second administrator, Joyce Anderson, uh, has retired, and, and now we're moving on to uh, to Jerry Anderson, who's not related but uh, has uh, assumed the position. So. Uh, I've been on for a number of years, uh, was encouraged to stay on because uh, of the need for some continuity during the transition, and uh, it, it's a way I've enjoyed serving and uh, am, am willing to continue in that position. 
Any questions uh, for Mr. Cook? Just, uh, Senator Cockhill. Just a note of appreciation because I get, I've, I've been on the Ethics Committee and served with uh, Mr. Cook and I uh, appreciate your willingness to stay on through the transition time. I think that continuity is going to be very great. And so uh, just a note of appreciation, Mr. Chairman. I, uh, I don't have the uh, familiarity. I've never, uh, I've been for, very fortunate never have to served on the Ethics Committee or appeared before the Ethics Committee. We want to keep those statuses uh, constant. <laughs> so. so that, uh, I, don't, I didn't have any questions. I've heard nothing but uh, positive professional uh, uh, information about you from my friends from the interior, irrespective of party. So you've been there uh, for since 98. Uh, if there had been a problem, it takes a super majority to retain uh, a member of the ethics committee on each side. So. Uh, I don't have any issues. I, d I appreciate you taking some time out of your private day today and, and also the service down here uh, and, and throughout the year on this uh, volunteer committee. So there are no other questions uh, for uh, Mr. Cook. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and move on and thank you for uh, uh, your name will be uh, forwarded um, onto the joint session at a time to be determined later on. Well, actually, it's no, no. Excuse me. I'm going to correct that. It's going to be confirmed by each individual house at some time. Right. Unlike the other one. I'm sorry. I, that's my unfamiliarity with ethics, having not appeared before you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Thank you, sir. That was I caught a mistake there, and you would have corrected me. I know, Senator. Uh, thank you, Mr. Cook. Was Mr. Walker available? We'll try to pick him up later. Uh, a similar. Hello. Uh, Oh, you are here. Welcome, Mr. Yeah. Walker. Are you there, sir? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, you've probably heard Mr. Uh, Mr. Cook, uh, I think, a similar uh, uh, brief biography uh, and uh, why you want to continue serving. Sure. Um, I came up to Alaska in 1992 right out of law school. Um, my father thought I was actually crazy because I turned down the job in Philadelphia to come up to Alaska with no job. <laughs> but uh, I was going to give it a year, and I've been up here ever since. Um, I'm a practicing attorney. I have a firm with my wife. I've um, done all kinds of aspects of uh, litigation as far as being a lawyer. I was a public defender for a while and <coughs> worked in private practice uh, for a corporate firm doing litigation, and now I work with... Uh, my wife as my law partner. Um, owned several small businesses prior to while I was practicing law and was asked to become a member of the committee in 2002, I believe. Um, have been on the committee since then and was actually considering uh, taking my name off the committee this year when my time was up. And after speaking to my colleagues and a lot of people on the committee, um, I decided to stay on the committee uh, because of the transition that we are going through. We have a new executive director, and uh, one of the reasons that I wish to stay on is because I, I have institutional memory as far as what has taken place, which I think will be helpful, not as institutional as skips, of course, but uh, have been on for a while. Um, I think it's very challenging work. I think the statutes that we uh, have to deal with are very nuanced, and 
I think that experience uh, with dealing with the issues, I think, will go a long way to get our executive director up to speed and to help in during this transition. Um, I really don't have anything else to add, gentlemen and, and ladies. Thank you, Mr. Walker. I wish somebody, uh, we never get the, uh, the Supreme Court justice never appears for us where there's any kind of give and take, but this is one thing. I'd sure like to know what, who really forwards those appointments, because I remember during the first iteration of the Ethics Committee in the early 90s, uh, we had a, we had a uh, legislative staffer who was basically forwarding the names. The Supreme Court justice really didn't have a lot of interest, and it was a partisan uh, legislative staffer, and you had a series of uh, rejections uh, by one house or the other. And, but I, I really can't believe that Justice Fabe is there going through uh, uh, that without some consult. I wish which activist law clerk or whatever. You know, if, it's, uh, we, if the Supreme Court Justice is the right person to be making these, uh, I think it was a compromise. Uh, but uh, you, uh, did you, uh, when you were appointed, did you, did you have a uh, interview with the Supreme Court Justice and what type of uh, what type of process was that, Mr. Walker? I got a phone call from uh, the Supreme Court Justice, and I've known her. I've worked with her. I appeared before her when she was on the bench before she went up to the Supreme Court. Um, I had known her for a while, worked with committees uh, with her. So she knew of me. Um, but as far as a process goes, she called me. We discussed it. She explained to me what it was. Um, I had to give it some thought and thought this would be a good way to serve. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Walker. And uh, I guess we have to have appreciation for somebody willing to sign up for another hitch for this. Uh, it's not when you've uh, you joined to become a beloved figure, I don't think. No, when I'm in the uh, elevators, it's usually pretty quiet if there's other people <laughs> in there. And again, I'm glad that I've uh, never met you other than uh, hearing your classes. And Mr. Chairman, uh, once again, I uh, served on the Ethics Committee and worked, worked with Mr. Walker. And uh, the thoughtfulness and the, uh, the preparation that is required and reviewing the statutes, which he said uh, can be uh, difficult sometimes to interpret and somewhat arcane. Uh, and uh, they're just done through a process that uh, sometimes doesn't bring the clarity that uh, we'd all like to see in law. But uh, I appreciate, uh, Herman, the... Uh, the willingness to, to stick through it uh, for the institutional memory. I think that's going to be very important and uh, hopefully as we uh, get this new uh, executive director uh, you'll be able to see the, the day that uh, you'll be off it. But anyway, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Any other uh, questions for Mr. Walker? Well, thank you, Mr. Walker. Uh, we'll, uh, if you would like to, you're welcome to leave the uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to forward your name will be forwarded on uh, for each uh, respective legislative body to vote on the confirmations. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for your time, sir. Next um, is uh, Mr. McCord, uh, uh, designee for the Alaska Public Offices Commission online. Mr. McCord. And if he appears later, we'll we'll come back to him. 
No, I'm here. Oh, you are here. Welcome, sir. I believe we're yeah. muted, so it takes you a little while to step up. My, uh, I'm, I was uncertain about your protocol, so I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, very good. Um, welcome, sir. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, um, tell, uh, tell us uh, uh, about yourself, your time in Alaska, and uh, uh, you are a political party uh, designee for the seat, uh, the, the uh, uh, the Libertarian Party, uh, and uh, tell us uh, uh, about your representation of your party on APOC, uh, what your expectations are, and anything else you wish to share about yourself. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, yes, I'm a short-termer in Alaska. I've only been here since May. So um, my learning curve is quite steep. But in terms of uh, being a Libertarian Party member, I have been such since uh, the beginning, 1972, and I moved here from Washington State, and I am I'm a re semi-retired teacher. Uh, it's my fourth profession, but uh, things that are, I'm assuming people have some of the paperwork in front of them. But I'll just go over some things briefly. And, and sir, it's not just for us, it's for the public as well. So that's why I asked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate that. Um, I, I received most my uh, education is college, university, uh, up to a master's degree level. And uh, but I've had additional training since then, like uh, marine biology in Friday Harbor, Washington, and actually served in the Bering Sea as a, a foreign fishing vessel observer. Um, so I was, uh, <clears throat> in a sense, been connected to Alaska for quite some time. But I've been living in the Pacific Northwest for. The last uh, 48 years, um, deep roots in the Pacific Northwest, in other words. Yeah. Uh, most of my relevant experience right. is um, dealing most from a grassroots point of view. I've been a like community organizer and a co-founder of different Sorry. organizations and an officer. And... Uh, at the grassroots level, moving on up into working for uh, as a, an elected board member of REI, which is uh, Recreational Equipment Incorporated. And <coughs> my latest venture was with the founding and uh, leadership of the Snow Isle Natural Foods Co-op. I've also served on two state commissions in Washington State. Uh, one was called the Special Levy Study Commission, and the other was to screen and select the, the first director of the Department of Ecology. Um, I think in the interest of brevity, I think I'll open it to questions from the committee. 
Thank you, uh, Mr. McCord. I, I would first ask you how how do you uh, what do you view view your role as on the uh, Alaska Public Offices Commission? Do you do you represent uh, your your party? Or do you, do you uh, I guess I want you. Well, first first and foremost, I represent the interest of objective and fair evaluation of all, all the issues that come before the commission. I don't view myself as a, like a, a, a party advocate as much as I view objectivity and fairness under the rules and regulations. Thank you. That's, I think that's the answer everybody hoped for and, and a good public servant. So, Senator Cockhill, did you? Uh, no, I, uh, I don't have any questions. I, th I think that uh, uh, the, the laws as we've given them to you uh, are looking for uh, that openness. And so uh, I think uh, uh, what we're looking for in commission members, though, is uh, that fair objectivity. So uh, with that, I don't, uh, I don't have any questions. I think you answered my first question. Any other questions for uh, Mr. McCord? Yes, uh, APOC's all on our minds today. Is uh, if, uh, if it's not completed, uh, it has to be completed by midnight tonight, which is our reporting system, and that trends in not just to, for public officials that are that are elected, but uh, a wide variety of appointed officials too. But, uh, I don't have any other questions. Uh, I think uh, your resume may have had quite a lot of detail in it, uh, but we wanted to give. Uh, you a chance to put your own voice on, on, uh, on your your career and what your, what your hopes uh, or as a uh, <coughs> appointed official by, nominated by your party and appointed by Governor Walker, that's that system, how uh, that system works, uh, for the again it's part of the public education process. So, there are uh, no other uh, questions uh, for Mr. McCord. We'll thank you for your time and. Uh, I'll give you a chance if you want any other parting comments uh, or statements, uh, sir. Well, I, I'd just like to wish everybody on the committee um, best wishes on your filings. <laughs> thank <laughs> and, you. Uh, thank you for your time, and I, I appreciate serving, you know, the state of Alaska and the citizens. Thank you, Mr. McCord. I think uh, our last two today are from the uh, Board of Game. And we have uh, two folks. Uh, one might be offline. One, uh, Mr. Fanning, might uh, I believe is uh, you're off net as well. We'll start uh, with uh, Mr. Fanning. Does everybody have his folder? His, uh, okay. Mr. Fanning, uh, when you uh, when you get unmuted, uh, go ahead and uh, start with your introduction to yourself and your uh, present uh, in whatever detail you choose uh, about uh, your nomination to the Board of Game. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Hello, and uh, thank you guys for taking the time this morning to go over this and this phone keeps cutting in and out so I'll do the best I can. I'm, uh, I'm from Yakutat, originally from Fairbanks and we moved down to Yakutat when I was a teenager and I've uh, 
grown up here in the hunting and fishing business in Yakutat, and uh, I feel it'd be an honor to serve on the board of game. And why don't you go ahead and introduce your name for the re for the record, Kip? Yes, Kip Fanning. Okay, go on with your uh, with your narrative, sir. Okay. Like I said, I was uh, born in Fairbanks and raised in Yakutat, more or less, and uh, our families uh, had a hunting and fishing lodge here my whole life, and, and I've been raised in the in the outdoor uh, realm of things of the state. So, anyways, I uh, I just feel like it's an honor to get the opportunity to even get to this stage of the game and. If anybody has any questions, I'd like to try to answer them. The uh, I yes, I uh, first uh, I don't think Mr. Fanny would remember when I first met him because he was a fairly young kid. His father served as a uh, libertarian member of the House and a uh, Republican member of the State Senate, so uh, uh, very distinguished career at both junctures, and uh, but has also been involved in. Uh, and, and reefs in the uh, renewable resource industries. But um, tell us what you do for a living, uh, Mr. Fanning, and how that uh, relates to might relate to your appointment. Well, my family we have the Yakutat Lodge, and we've uh, we do hunting and fishing. Uh, the hunting part has been sold off at this time, but the, we still do do the fishing part, and. Uh, you know, just being born and raised in the in the big game guiding industry, I feel like it's uh, this is a good opportunity for me to take what I've grown up in and and learned and um, watch the resources come and go and and try to protect some resources and get a good balance. So you've uh, had involvement in the in the game industry, but you don't currently now. That's you've you've. Uh, your family has divested from that. Uh, correct. Yes, I'm. I am not a registered guide. Um, my dad did sell the business to Ron Warren, who's uh, like my brother, but I am not affiliated with the business. Okay, appreciate the putting that on the record. Any uh, questions for Mr. Fanning? <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fanning, for uh, being willing to step into this position. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, the, uh, you're, you're familiar with the guiding is issue, so one of the big questions that's going to come our way at a, a high speed is uh, the use of that uh, resource with regard to guiding. Uh, and so uh, help me uh, with your perspective on uh, some of the uh, guide concession questions that have risen up down through the years. Do we need to go into a better uh, guiding concession type regulation or is our game management uh, the better tool? And just give me your philosophy on that. Uh, you don't need to give me details, but uh, I know that's going to come the way in the board, so that's a uh, conversation I'd like to hear you have with us. Ooh, that's a... That's a big question, but you know, there's. Uh, I, I can't speak on that on an educated form. I know that it used to be uh, everybody the guides had areas, and then that went away, and and they still 
and have concession areas. But as far as that goes, I would be asking people, um, you know, that that know more than I do, and and try to come up with a an answer that fits both the um, the guides and the public. You know, there's there needs to be a balance there, and I don't know what the answer is without getting more information as to what what's being proposed for concessions or different regulations. And Mr. Chairman, uh, and, and thank you for your honesty on that, because uh, if you're going to, if you get confirmed, and which it looks like you probably will, you're going to be knee deep in that discussion. Uh, the other thing is, uh, those of us in Alaska who uh, look at uh, the uh, moose population and fish population primarily for our food sources. Uh, many people are concerned that uh, the uh, the pressure on uh, predator control, especially in up in my neck of the woods, uh, the bears are are uh, eating the uh, the calves when they're I mean the when they're calving when the when the females are calving. Uh, we have wolf and bear that are predators. Uh, they seem to be getting a bigger population of the uh, ungulate uh, than than the humans are. Is that something that you've ever uh, wandered into on studying? And uh, do you understand the different game management unit uh, issues, or is that something you're going to have to learn? You know, I'm going to have to learn a bunch of it. Obviously, you know, living in Alaska, you you hear a million things, and and everybody has an opinion, but. That's something that I'm not against predator control if done proper and, and goes back to the balance. But I also, um, you know, I want to ask those that, that have the scientific evidence as to what their recommendations and, and what they see going on, and as well as the elders of the area. You know, a lot of those people know more than anybody. Thank you, Senator Coghill, and I, I, you should have uh, no embarrassment not having an answer to the guide concessioning because that's mired the legislative process. Uh, DNR hasn't been able to come up with uh, a comprehensive plan that's constitutional. and uh, So don't feel any failing that you don't have an answer on that, and having an open mind, I think, is an incredible asset, uh, Mr. Fanning. And, and Senator Coghill. And I'm asking questions that I ask myself, so I'm I'm kind of uh, asking you because you're going to be uh, way deep into the conversation, just like we are in so many ways here. Uh, up in my neck of the woods, uh, there's a a big debate on uh, the uh, uh, hunting of the uh, female moose, uh, antlerless they call it, but uh, there's 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 the female moose plus the antlerless, which uh, can be male moose at certain times of the year. And uh, I think philosophically, in my hometown, Ninana, uh, they're not a big fan of uh, taking out the, the females that are, will be the, the bearing uh, element. Uh, uh, have you put any thought into that? Uh, I can tell you, you're going to have to put some thought into it, but uh, uh, there's a there's a philosophy and a game management issue that can be science-based, and uh, I know we're having a big clash about that up in uh, Unit 20A and B right now. H have you had that uh, presented to you at all? No, I haven't. I, I uh, like I say, I mean, I I'm not trying to avoid questions or anything. I I, I do like to study them and and ask questions and and try to come up with the best answers versus just coming off the cusp and yeah. and uh, uh, saying something that's not 
you know, not an ed, not even a close to an educated answer. Well, I appreciate that, and and I just I'm asking questions that uh, we get asked uh, quite often down here, and there are things that are coming your way, and uh, as long as you're willing to keep an open mind and uh, uh, listen and try to figure out how to navigate through for the best benefit of Alaskans, uh, I'm game to support you. He's game. <laughs> I thought I'd use the game in there somewhere. Any other questions for uh, um, in the in the past? I didn't see on the previous test fires folks that were testifying, but we do have quite a few for uh, the board of game. I see, and then we'll come back to Mr. Vrabrick. He wanted to make some comments on uh, Mr. Taylor, uh, so we'll come at the end. Although but, uh, I was a little remiss in, in in specifically asking for public testimony, but we didn't have any signed in. So the there, if there was anybody that uh, wanted to speak on any of these, we'll do it retroactively. And, uh, okay. But uh, I do see there's several for the uh, for the board of game, and uh, so we'll go through both nominees and then have uh, public comment on both of them. So we'll uh, set aside Mr. Fanning. You're welcome to. Uh, uh, I don't know anybody that's listened to uh, Ms. Zalba talk and hasn't learned something, so it's a, probably a good place for you to stay online and listen. So. Ms. Alba, are you are you online? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Uh, loud and clear. Welcome, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us about uh, a little bit about yourself and your background you are currently serving on and uh, why you want to continue to serve. Very good. Uh, good morning, and thank you, Chairman Stoltz and members of the committee. My name is Teresa Sager Alba. Um, I'm a lifelong Alaskan. I was born and raised in Fairbanks. I still consider that home away from home. I have lived uh, in a dry 24 by 24 log cabin on the Toke Cutoff near Mentasta Pass since about 1984. Um, I was raised in a hunting and fishing family, and this remains a very important part of my life. My husband Bill and I spend a significant share of our time hunting, fishing, and trapping and we fill our freezer each year with wild game and fish. Um, we also have two small greenhouses and we raise a garden, so we add to the protein supply with plenty of vegetables each year. Um, in terms of my employment, uh, from 1983 to 1995, I worked for the state legislature, and since that time, I have worked for a private firm, Summit Consulting Services, uh, that's an engineering and construction management firm, and it's based south of Toke. We do have offices in Anchorage and Fairbanks, but the home office is south of Toke, actually very close to where I live on the Toke cutoff. Um, the business is owned by my neighbor, and uh, it's located on his home property. Um, on a personal level, I have devoted a lot of volunteer time and effort to organizations to help protect and enhance hunting, fishing, and trapping as well as Second Amendment rights and the public's right to enjoy outdoor experiences and to connect with their natural environment. Um, I consider that very important, and so I've, I've devoted some of my free time and volunteer time to those efforts. And I think that my service on the game board, which um, I've, I've served two terms now, um, that has been a real privilege, and I feel it's been a logical transition for me. And I hope that my layman's outdoor Alaskans background uh, might be of some positive contribution to Alaska's wildlife and also to the people who value that wildlife uh, in their own lives. 
Um, I'm very grateful to the, for the opportunity to serve in this position for the past six years, and I certainly appreciate the committee's consideration of my reappointment. Any questions for Ms. Uh, Sager Alva? First of all, thank you for uh, serving uh, six years, and uh, and you've probably seen some of those uh, very tough questions come before the game board. So, uh, I think the unit uh, that I get the most input on is the the unit up by the Fairbanks area, 20A and B, and uh, I think on the 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 question of the uh, antlerless moose hunt has been probably the most contentious. Uh, is there a solution coming from uh, the board? Is that something that the uh, the administration has to deal with? Uh, and I'm asking uh, a little bit out of ignorance because I, I've only heard, you know, uh, my constituent comments. I haven't really sat through a game board meeting. Am I asking the right question? Because I asked it of the last uh, nominee, <coughs> and uh, uh, it sounds to me like uh, there could be a science base to it, but there's also a philosophical base to it. Can you help me understand that better? And maybe you have a philosophy that uh, would be uh, something you could put on. Yes, uh, through the chair, Senator Coghill, um, that is a, an ongoing contentious and difficult issue. Um, I would say based on, on the time that I've served on the board, and I, I, I'm very sympathetic to Mr. Fanning because when I first started, um, I, I barely kept my head above water, that's for sure. The game board issues are complex, but, um, you know, the antlerless uh, moose hunts are are provided and are adopted by the board because, in essence, they prevent the moose population from, from overgrazing the range and, and basically causing a population crash, and what we are all most interested in is building a sustainable moose population um, that will allow people to hunt and to harvest and to put meat on the table. Um, I do understand the concern with antlerless hunts, and I know that there is a segment of folks in the interior who have um, an opposition to that, and, and I certainly respect that opinion. Um, I have voted in favor of the antlerless hunts when they have, basically when the science is right, and I will say that in the last, um, the last time that we took up this issue in cycle, which I believe was last year in Fairbanks during our interior meeting, um, the, the moose population in Unit 20A had actually been brought down to a little bit below the population objective. And I, I don't think that was the intent of anyone. It was to keep it reduced so that it didn't go, um, go too high. But when that... Uh, reduction resulted in going slightly below the population objective and, and of course that was based on a population estimate so it wasn't precise but um, that raises a red flag for me for sure and I voted against the reauthorization in Unit 20A. The only reason that it was brought forward for reauthorization in the last meeting was to allow or to enable the targeted hunts which are basically um, permit-driven hunts that occur in <coughs> the highly populated areas, and that's in order to remove moose from, from areas where they become a, a city problem, so to speak, and a, a, perhaps a, a public safety issue. Um, and I certainly thought that that little piece of regulation was okay, but because we were below the population objective in 20A, I didn't support reauthorization of the antlerless hunt. 
And I guess the other thing to add to that is, you know, the advisory committees have veto authority, in essence, over the antlerless hunts. And so if a majority of the advisory committees from the area do not reauthorize the hunt from their committee level, then the board is is not authorized to reauthorize the hunt. <laughs> we're, we're not allowed to to reauthorize it. So, um, you know, that advisory committee uh, power is, um, you know, is there. It's it's nothing that that the board can override. And um, and I, I certainly um, make an effort to honor that. And uh, anyway, that, that's kind of a long way around. But that's I, I think where I'm at on antlerless hunts. If that's helpful to answering your question. Yeah, and thank you. And I know uh, it takes a steady hand to, to work through all those things. And the AC, the uh, advisory committees, uh, definitely have their own uh, political storm that they have to deal with. So uh, uh, first of all, uh, I just want to uh, let you know I'm grateful. I, I know that the sustained yield and the human consumption are some things that we're concerned about. The other thing is the bear population seems to be growing. and. Uh, up in up in the interior, anyway, the uh, the bear population, uh, at least what I've heard, and so maybe from your perspective, you can give me, uh, you know, a uh, some knowledge on uh, is it the bear predation that is uh, as uh, much as some people uh, purport it to be, or is it something that you've been able to get your hands around on a on a kind of a science base? Um, through the chair, Senator Coghill. Um, Bear predation is significant in a number of areas in the state. Um, right now, without going back through um, the data that the department presents, I, I'm afraid I can't speak specifically to population numbers and so forth in, in specific units or subunits. Um, but I will say that um, when it becomes necessary to reduce predators if we're in a situation where the population objective is not being met for moose or caribou, um, then, you know, then the board has a, a statutory responsibility to act in those situations and to look at intensive management um, options to, to reduce predator numbers, <clears throat> certainly not wipe them out, but to reduce predator numbers and to bring ungulate populations up for the sake of, of human harvest. Um, and so, um, you know, there's, aside from philosophical positions, there's statutory responsibilities that the board is supposed to follow in order to achieve those goals. And, um, and I certainly do try to stay within the law and, um, and pursue those regulatory options when, um, when ungulate numbers are down and when predator numbers are up to the point where population objectives for the ungulates are not being met. Mr. Chairman, I, I don't have any other questions. I, I just wanted to ask, the, and sometimes I'm asking questions uh, based on what I've heard, and so uh, I think uh, you have a depth of knowledge that I appreciate, and uh, and so I'm willing, and quite uh, frankly, I'm excited about you can continue on in the board. So uh, your knowledge, you, I would sit down and ask you the 20 questions that out of ignorance but I'm not going to take the time in committee to do that, but I sure would look forward to further conversations with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, there are some folks online to testify uh, on this specific seat uh, seats. Uh, we have Mike Tinker from Fairbanks and then Al Barrett. Mr. Tinker. 
Uh, good morning, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> this is Mike Tinker in Fairbanks, uh, uh, and I hope you can hear me okay. I'm clear, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, I can say good morning to Senator Coghill, who is a senator from my district. I don't want him to uh, to feel left out here this morning. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we appreciate uh, the time and the opportunity to testify. I can testify on both of these candidates. Um, we did some vetting work with uh, Governor Walker uh, on uh, both of them. Teresa has been uh, such a, uh, you know, in the trenches worker for the Board of Game uh, during her service uh, and on the issues before her service that it's, uh, I, I, we feel a little bit uh, like the Senator Coghill with regard to um, uh, her support, and that is we just don't think there's many uh, candidates available out there that, uh, that could perform in the capacity she has in as well. This morning I'm speaking on behalf of the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Association. That's an association of hunters, fishers, trappers based basically here in Fairbanks, but with uh, as many Alaskan outdoor organizations, fingers uh, all over the state. Um, <clears throat> we think uh, also that Kip Fanning will do an excellent job. Uh, Mr. Fanning has the basic background to ask the type of questions that will bring him quickly up to speed on these various issues, and he will not be afraid to do so. Those of us uh, like you, uh, Senator Stoltz, that knew his father recognized that uh, there are not many bashful members of the Fanning family. Uh, and, uh, but, the, but the basic background of, of what's right, balancing our populations with our allocation uh, and realizing um, as Senator Coghill has kind of suggested here this morning, that the allocation issues are not just straightforward and, and easy to do, that the, they have a lot of uh, components. Um, so I would just on behalf of the organization uh, like to um, endorse both of these candidates and hope that you will uh, continue your support for them on to the, uh, to the Senate. And thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Tinker. Next, uh, Al Barrett. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, members of the committee, uh, I'll be representing the Alaska Outdoor Council this morning, and we both, uh, both candidates, uh, Mrs. Sager Albaugh and Kip Fanning, we we uh, generously support them. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Mrs. Sager Albaugh is a is a great board of game member. Uh, we observed, and she seemed very well prepared prior to the meeting starting, and and during the meeting, getting that extra institutional knowledge, you know, from members of the public and organizations that are are participating at the board of game. Uh, she's uh, really well known for attending ACs outside her area. She she at least once or twice a year is in the Fairbanks area, the Matsu area, the Anchorage area, um, listening in, answering her questions, giving her updates. And then especially if there's anything contentious, like uh, 20A Moose, as the Senator Coghill's um, aware of, she's been here for several of those meetings, just to observe and listen to the public, and not just to what the ACs are doing. Uh, Mrs. Sager Albright has uh, just an excellent knowledge of uh, subsistence allocation. As you hear, she, her, she's raised and lived you know, with a subsistence background, and, and she protects our subsistence allocations and our subsistence opportunities, and that's <coughs> really a, a wealth of, you know, in these times and days, it's, it, we, we rely on that. She's committed to the conservation and wildlife resources and the, and the protection of the range. You know, as, as much as we like access and we all support access, 
and the AOC is very much behind access. She understands that, and she allows and, and understands as much access that we can get to allow us those opportunities to, you know, to collect uh, wildlife resources. And so uh, I think that's all I have right now. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Barrett. Uh, mirror what a lot of us already know about, uh, uh, about Ms. Uh, Sager-Albaugh. Are there any other members of the public or here in Juneau or online that wish to, to testify on the Board of Game nominees, either one or both of them? That I'll, uh, I will, uh, as we uh, forward these on to joint session, uh, I will uh, put something on the record. I, I am a member of the Alaska Outdoor Council and have served along uh, Ms. Sagarelba on that. Uh, I know there have been in campaigns I've been accused of being involved with special interests like the Second Amendment and hunting and, and uh, other things. And uh, the common refrain is from some of my colleagues, how the hell do I get accused of that too? <laughs> but, uh, I don't Im I'm not embarrassed that uh, I, I defend the values of my district uh, and of the people of Alaska. That, uh, and I will say about Ms. Uh, what, what I un universally hear about uh, Ms. Sager Alba, that she is the most prepared studious, on-task member of the Board of Game, keeps, uh, keeps the, uh, uh, with, with information and having done her homework, often keeps the uh, board meetings on track and on task, which is no small task when you're with the membership. And I think uh, Mr. Fanny would do well just to uh, hang close to her and just watch how she does things. And I think that's the best OJT uh, that you can get, uh, Mr. Fanning. Uh, any other comments on the so we move those forward uh, with thanks to uh, members of the public who testified and the folks uh, that are up for confirmation that uh, appeared before us today. Um, was there anybody on any other nominees uh, that wished to speak, either online or in present? First, we'll go to online. And I was remiss in not specifically asking for those. Uh, but I didn't see sign-ins, uh, but uh, we will in the future routinely ask. Uh, uh, Mr. Vrabrick, you had on uh, any one of them. I think you wanted to talk about APOC. Well, uh, for record, Mr. Chairman, first, I'm Terry Vrabrick, Deputy Commissioner for the Department of Public Safety. But since we're talking about APOC, I have filed my 2015 documents already. Um, I, and on behalf of um, Commissioner Folger and Department of Public Safety, we just wanted to say that uh, uh, we support the nomination of uh, Commissioner Taylor. Uh, we've had a great working relationship with him and his staff. Um, in his acting role here right currently as uh, Commissioner-Designee, we've had some great meetings already, including the topic which came up uh, earlier this hour on community jails. And uh, we look forward to working with the uh, Commissioner and his staff. And it, it, we've already covered some of the topics that you brought up today. So just on behalf of Commissioner, I'd like to support that nomination. Thank you for, and I'm sorry I didn't recognize you earlier, uh, but uh, you might have embarrassed Commissioner Taylor by <laughs> public gushing. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Are there any questions about any of the uh, nominees that appeared before us? So uh, we will uh, forward those on. Uh, uh, I'm not going to, I believe we have a standard form uh, that uh, I think it's already uh, implied and certainly everybody has inferred that you have your own vote and you're not committing a, a requirement to vote for or against. Uh, the public can indicate how we're, we're leaning by many of our comments as we're, and, and they certainly are willing to, uh, are there, are there, they have 
all uh, um, open access to communicate with us of their positions on, on these and any other confirmations that will be for us. So with that, we will uh, adjourn State Affairs at uh, looks like about 10 minutes of 10 o'clock. Um, stay around to uh, sign the uh, reports. So we are adjourned.